And I'm Carol. And this is the Real Talk Recreation Therapy Podcast. On this podcast, we talk about real experiences and real research that back up the use of recreation therapy as a method of treatment for a variety of populations. We try to keep it real as we address concerns and successes that we and other recreation therapists have had as we all navigate this awesome career field. We don't have it all figured out, but one thing we know for sure is everything gets a lot easier when you can talk it out with a friend. Hey everyone, we're excited to do our first crossover episode for Engaged in Rec. Karina, we're so excited to talk with you. This is Real Talk Rec Therapy and Engaged in Rec. We're we're coming together to talk about recreation therapy and and talk about our podcasts and and what we what we all love. So, yay. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited because this is just my favorite thing is when I can come together with other people that are super passionate about the same thing. And it's rare because in your real life, you don't really get those type of people. And so when you find them, you kind of are drawn to the same people. Like as soon as we came on today, I was like, oh, my people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's so nice. Thank you so much for initiating this. And uh, it's going to be fun. Let's do it. Awesome. Karina, we are so excited to have you on our podcast and to be on your podcast. We're trying to figure out how this crossover thing is going to work. So to start it off, I just want you to tell us a little bit about your background in recreation therapy, how you came to work in this field, how you came to do this podcast, and why specifically you love working with the elderly and aging populations. I know that's a lot of questions. Loaded question. All right. So I guess I started right back from college. Originally, I kind of wanted to do working with children. So working in child and youth, working in school systems. And then I had this opportunity. I was traveling across Canada and I was able to work in senior living in long term care. And I worked specifically with people in memory care. And that was kind of the time that I was like, oh, there's a different world that maybe I should explore a little bit. And so from there, I went the college direction into, I started out in social service work and then went into recreation therapy following that. And so I had a really great chance to work specifically in memory care for like 14 years at the same place. So I got to know the residents really well. I got to know the staff really well. It was great. Yeah, and then I guess I went from there into managing a luxury retirement community that was like assisted living and independent living, which is like totally different world than long-term care memory care. Um, But that was really cool too, which kind of led me to where I am today. I don't know if I'm answering this question too long for you. No, not at all. That is so cool. Luxury care sounds really exciting. Tell me what was like what was that like? What does luxury care even mean? Like what is that like? So it's a luxury retirement community. So essentially think of like a gorgeous resort that you would go to on vacation with all of the amenities plus care involved as well. So it was a big, beautiful, brand new building and just something that you'd walk into and be like, this is amazing. It was gorgeous. And along with that came really interesting people too. So I worked with a lot of, uh, a lot of my residents were like doctors and professors and lawyers and really high professional level people. And so that was also a huge change too, because I had in the, my original place that I was working was this super small town where people that were the residents there didn't have that background as well. So it was something that I really needed to look at when I was facilitating programs and like providing all of these therapeutic activities was what's appropriate for somebody that used to be a professor at a university may not be the same appropriateness as somebody that worked on a farm, let's say, you know, totally different programming. And you really needed to look at the person and figure out what would be beneficial in their life and purposeful for them. Yeah, definitely. 
I think that really speaks to the individualized nature of our field where we're not just picking one activity and making everybody do the one activity. We're truly getting to know the people that we work with and tailoring those activities to their interests and their background. So that sounds really cool. What prompted you to switch from working in memory care to luxury living? Well, I think that I was originally, like I was an assistant. I started out as an assistant, which I think a lot of people do when you hop into the field. And then I just wanted something a little bit more and I wanted another challenge and I wanted that management role and I wanted to see what I could do and how I could be creative in that role. And so this was a next step up. And so it just kind of seemed like that's that's the next step that you take, right, is to go into a management role and see how you like it and see what you can do with it. And so it just kind of organically happened that I thought I would probably be okay in this role. So that's where I went. Yeah, oh, that's really good. Yeah, and I think, yes, it's it's just a reg- an easy transition, right, to say, okay, yeah, what, what more can I do? And so cool that you you helped, were they opening? as you as you transition to that so you got to be there like right from the beginning and kind of help it develop and create the program that is really really fascinating really fun it's really interesting going to like open a building and i think that a lot of people probably have opened a building but if you haven't opened one it's like starting from an entire blank canvas and you have no idea who these residents are that are coming into your building So compared to when you're working in a building that's already established and you go in and you're like, okay, who are these people? What are their backgrounds? We already have sort of a profile on them, right? These are people that have just signed up to live in your building and you have no idea who they are when they first come in. Or you could have a plan in your head of what you think that your residents are going to enjoy or find therapeutic and it's totally not the case. (laughs) <laughs> that happened lots of times where you're like I try something and that did not work at all so you try again that that does sound like a, a a common common thing but yeah especially like coming in it kind of makes me think of like school right like a teacher has all new students and what is the culture of the class going to be like and what is the kind of vibe going to be and is it going to work the same way? So that must have been really exciting to like get more people and be like, oh, okay, now people are more interested in this kind of thing or this kind of thing, kind of like letting it grow with you and letting you grow into it must have been a real challenge and really exciting. (laughs) It's neat that you talked about culture there because that's totally it. You just don't know what you're going to get, like you said. And Like, you don't know the clicks that are going to happen within the groups of people. You don't know, like, who's going to be friends with who and what those friends are interested in. And it's interesting to see those relationships build as well when you're trying to build this whole community and then watching little communities. It's neat to see this, like, grow from scratch. And then I kind of switched into what I'm doing now. How long did you work in this position? That sounds really, really interesting. I was working in that position for two years. I did maybe a little bit longer than that, two and a half years in that. Before we talk about what you're doing now, I was listening to one of your episodes where you were talking about your dream to go be on a beach working with people. Was that when you were working at this at the luxury um, retirement community? No. No? Really? No. No. That is totally not. No. So how that all came to be was I was, yeah, I told this this story briefly on my podcast, but I had this thing that I was like, I had a dream one night and I said, I feel like I'm going to go work on a beach with older adults somehow. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But like in my head, I was like, I'm going to manifest this because that's cool. But at the time I was working in that retirement community, like no idea how this is going to happen. I had no plans to do this podcast at the time. And um, I just... I was like, I don't know, I just feel it. Like, maybe it's going to be a program I run, but um, I hope that this happens. And my assistant at the time, we were really close, and she was like, yeah, right, haha, kind of thing. And so somehow, like, within that next week, I was like, maybe I should start a podcast. That would be pretty cool if I, I don't know how it came out, but I thought, 
podcasts are fun. I like listening to them. I'm sure there's somebody that would like to listen to this super niche <laughs> podcast that only interests like 1% of people. <laughs> but some people want to listen to it. And so I started this, I started Engaged in Rec and was able to meet the company that I'm with right now, which allowed me to do remote work. And I would never have thought originally, like working in recreation therapy with seniors, that you could do remote work. It's not something that usually you put the two together. Usually you're thinking like hands-on in the buildings, like working directly one-on-one with people or in groups. And so when this opportunity came up for me that was working remotely, I kind of grabbed onto it and ended up on a beach in Singapore where you are. Oh, I'm not there now, but I I decided why not go work from the other side of the world. So I took my remote work and I went to Singapore and Bali and Australia and it was, there we go. I manifested it. You did it. (laughs) So tell us, yeah, tell us about that. So you, yeah. So like you were just saying, you've transitioned from hands-on rec therapy to this remote job, maybe behind the scenes, tell us what you do and, and what prompted this transition. Yeah. So I work for an online learning platform and I am a community and content program manager now, um, which is really in a a fancy word for saying that I help create classes on our platform. So what we do is we offer virtual classes. We're a peer-to-peer learning site. Um, and the classes that are on our site are variety of different categories. So think like technology, um, art, music, history, cooking, fitness, lots and lots of these classes. And so I'm more behind the scenes in the planning of these classes now and sort of the uh, like short form content that we post out there. That's kind of me too. Working directly with our community members, um, learning what they like, what they don't like, how we can uh, add things to our platform so that these learners that we have um, benefit more from them. So it's a neat uh, job that I have now, totally different than what I was doing before, but I really yeah that sounds really cool and it really goes like right with rec therapy are you planning classes in things unrelated to health and recreation or do you kind of have a niche within that online learning platform community it's neat to be able to do this remotely so i've met like people from all over the world and they all have different backgrounds and they all have different cultures that they come from and so really trying to find those different sessions that we can provide to them that hit those different domains. It's important. What is the learning platform called? It's called Get Set Up. Oh, okay. So you can check it out, getsetup.io, and you'll be able to find tons of classes, like thousands. They're 24 hours a day, everything. Technology classes. I'm not a tech expert, so I can't actually put these curriculums together, right? So we have tech experts that are doing these things and they're older adults because we found that peer-to-peer learning is really important. I know that my background, I'm usually facilitating all of these programs, right? And I found that was the hardest part is to like take a back seat and not facilitate these programs. But we found that for Get Set Up is really important for like the same age group to teach the same age group. And that's something that is different than other platforms. Like other platforms usually have somebody that's a little bit younger. And so we found that to be really successful having these older adults teach other older adults. And so we're essentially in the background kind of saying which topics may be interesting to our learners that are on there, which ones may they've suggested, which ones would be beneficial, things like that. It's cool that the guides have the are of the, the same age and probably learn similarly like they were in school at the same time and had the same methods for learning. That's such an interesting concept. I've never thought about that before, but I could see where that would maybe make a huge difference. Have you ever had like a time where you're facilitating something and then they're going, well, you're just a kid. 
You know, I find I've had that happen before. You're just a kid. Like you wouldn't know. You're a kid. You're just a baby. So it's it's different than having another 60, 70, 80 year old facilitating a session because they're on the same level. They're they're peers. And from a therapeutic perspective, I'm just thinking about like the the stages of development, right? And how in older adults, what do they want? Like like generativity and leaving a legacy and being able to impart knowledge. All of this is so great for them to be able to, like for the guides as well as the people receiving the information, to be able to feel like they're still, they, they are contributing to society. They're helping these people learn. And so from a therapeutic perspective, it's just like, of course, like this just makes so much sense. Like let's like you have a lifetime of knowledge and skills and abilities that you can share with other people that are also still like engaged in learning and want to to know these things and it just i think it it just demonstrates how much respect get set up has for the the people that are they're providing the 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 content for to be able to say like we respect that you know this and you could you could help your peers better than we could. I think that says a lot about the company you're working for. That's really cool. There's so many topics that we have on our site that like one person just couldn't know any, know it all, right? Like if you as a rec therapist, you go into a building in retirement, let's say, and they're like, okay, provide every activity and every program. And you're like, I am not a professional at like, shuffleboard I do not know how to play that kind of thing you know and so here on get set up it's like let's get the people that know what they're talking about to really share their knowledge but also share the passion that they have for those topics so it's really uh, it's neat to see them in action teaching other people because they just know what they're talking about they know how to teach and they love what they're doing yeah, that's so cool. I love the I love the intergenerational work that's being done too. I'm a big, big, big fan of intergenerational and to be able to say, like, let's help you with the tech while you talk about what you're an expert on and being able to work together and be able to like let them use this technology that maybe they've been interacting with for years or maybe they haven't, but they they can with the support that you're giving them. That's just really cool. And at the same time, the people that are receiving the classes to be able to like say, okay, like I can do this. It's almost like it's it's increasing your self-efficacy to see someone, another peer do it, right? And so you watch your peer teach this class and you say, I can learn this class. And so I just, I'm just loving like all of the like connotations, like therapeutically and all of the, you know, all of the theories that we study and how all of this like really seems very evidence-based to me is what you guys are doing. Seems very like, yeah, it, it totally makes sense with what we know about psychology that this would work really well. I was just going to ask if Get Set Up is something that rec therapists might use in their practice or if this is targeted at the individual, like who is the the audience for it? Yeah, I mean, it's something that rec therapists can probably use in their communities if that's where they're working or even because it's remote, right? So if you're not working in a community, but you're working in an outside community, you can offer these things as well. Um, because there's just such an array of topics that are there. So it can really, even if you're not intentionally wanting to learn something, it's a spot where you can talk about these topics and reminisce and um, something will come up out of the sessions that we offer. It sounds like an excellent, excellent platform. I'm excited to go look it up after this. So if you're listening and you're, you're interested in all of this, get set up.io, go check it out. All right, so moving kind of back into the realm of recreation therapy, um, you have decided to start a podcast for rec therapists. You've been doing this podcast for how long now? Since 29. Wow, that's a while. <laughs> but I'm just starting my third season now. So I've taken a little break in between both seasons. And now I'm just, you're my first interview, season three. And I'm not even interviewing you. You're interviewing me. So... Kind of role reversal here. Have you ever been interviewed for your podcast or about what you do? 
No, never. This is cool. We're flipping the script here. So thinking about just creating a podcast engaged in a rec specifically for recreation therapy, what do you think is the benefit of creating a space for rec therapists to kind of share their stories? Because you talk a lot about what you do or what you've done, and you also interview a ton of people across the field, right? Yeah. Man, it's important. I did this one section in my podcast in my very first season that was called Real Life Stories from the Rec Desk, where I would bring in people that were rec therapists or activity professionals working in the field, and they would just tell me their stories. And like we would think of a topic together and then just go back and forth, just like a normal conversation, kind of like what we're doing right now. Having real people come in that aren't from a company, that aren't from, they're not promoting things, they're not, it's, they're just, this is the work they do, this is the passion that they have for this, this type of work, and I feel like we need more people to come on to our platforms, both mine and yours, that have that enthusiasm for what we're doing, because A, we need to share it with everybody that's out there. B, it pumps people up. So when you're having this other people come on and they're like, I did this and I did that and you should try this. And like, I tried this, it didn't work. Do you have any more ideas for me? And you just go back and forth and brainstorm. It's like when you come out of a conference and you come out feeling refreshed and like, I can take on the world, you know? We need more people to share the stories about what they love, but also what they don't love about what they're doing and how we can help them and how we can change what they're doing and how they're working so that things are better for everybody. Does that make sense? Yes. I think this was one of the reasons why Carol and I wanted to start this podcast is because working together... And being able to bounce ideas off of each other and know that the other person is a rec therapist with the same background that understand, like we, we start at the same level, right? We start with the same base understanding. And so when we're trying to explain things to each other and trying to like, you know, brainstorm solutions to what's coming up, it's, it's wonderful to start from a place where we already have that therapeutic basis And we can move from there, right? So we already know that we want things to be evidence-based. We already know that we want a therapeutic. We know that we're talking more about interventions than activities, right? We're already starting there. But that is not reality for most rec therapists. Most rec therapists are working solo. They're the only rec therapist in their building, in their hospital. Or maybe they are the rec therapist and they have activity assistance, but maybe they don't have that same background. And so it's not just... It's not just showing what we do to your clients, sorry, to your clients and your supervisors, but also to the men, like you're mentoring people and trying to help them understand. And so it's nice to come here in this space or any space, like you were talking about conferences and I was like, yes, that is exactly how I feel after conferences. Like just so like, it's nice to know that you're not alone and, and to know that you are not the only person that sees the benefits of what you're doing and you're not the only person with these struggles. When we talk about our struggles together and how we overcome them together, it, I think it, it gives me you know support for the future. We can go back and listen to these and be like, oh yeah, I remember Karina said that was really hard and that's okay. Like, or, or just feel like, kind of like what we were talking about with Get Set Up, right? Like you watch your peers do this and then your your self-efficacy increases and you say, I could do this. Like you can translate that to yourself. And so I, th- I just think it's so important for us to continue to talk about this. And also it, it helps us spread the word to to adjacent fields and say, hey, like we we can support you. We can we know what we're doing here. We can help this. So it's yeah, I think it's just really powerful when we all get together and say, you know, rec therapy matters and, and recreation matters and your, your, your leisure well-being matters. And it's so important to, to, to say that to our clients and our supervisors and also to say it to each other and say like what you're doing, like, even though it feels like you didn't accomplish a lot today, or maybe a lot of people didn't come to your group, like it matters. Like you're, you're, you're standing for something, even though day to day, it may be a little bit tricky to get there. Yeah, I love that. 
I just edited our episode about marketing yourself in rec therapy today for our next season. And the woman we interviewed talked about how you really have to highlight the positives and kind of look at what are the success stories. Because I feel like it's really easy for us to be bogged down by all the struggles in working in this field, especially working in healthcare. I feel like it's been a hard few years working in healthcare. So like being able to look at and share and talk about the successes of rec therapy can be really powerful and empowering to other rec therapists who might be feeling a little overwhelmed at times or maybe don't think they're as cool as they are, if that makes sense. But also that if they're having issues and like they need to just brainstorm with somebody that gets it, it's a nice, safe space to be able to do that. Like, I know, I remember a lot of times working back in communities where I'd be like, oh, I just, I'm feeling this way and I don't know how to share it. Nobody else really gets it. So what are we supposed to do? Who am I supposed to go to in that space, right? And so having people come on to your podcast and come on to my podcast and be like, you know what, this happened. It wasn't great at the time, but this is how I overcame that. And this is how you can too. I think that it's really empowering to other people and and they can inspire everybody else that's working in the field. So they need to do that. We need more people on. Yeah. If you're finding that you come in with a plan and you have to adapt it as you go, take heart. You are a rec therapist. That is what we all do, right? (laughs) Very rarely is there a program that goes exactly as I imagined in my head it was going to go or patients or clients engage exactly as I was hoping they would. Very, very rarely. We work with people and people are, you know, unpredictable in that way. (laughs) For sure. I think that we are, are worst critics sometimes too like yeah for me at least I know I want things to be a certain way and I want to do a really great job and like sometimes that doesn't happen and sometimes especially like we need to adapt (laughs) you know we need to fix things adapt move things change like on the fly and that's not how I want things to happen but I feel like we need to take a step back and be like exactly what you're saying like it's okay like we are doing a good job you're doing great it's okay you know take a breather so Karina you have worked specifically in the field of aging and older adults out of all the 14 plus years of experience you have with this field what is your favorite modality to use as a rec therapist within that field Okay, I am really big, especially right now, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you probably have seen a lot of my posts that I've been creating. And I don't even work specifically in that field at the moment, but I've been doing a lot of purposeful programming. It's a lot of P's. Purposeful programming for past professions for people that are living with dementia. And so that's something that when I was working in that area, It was huge to me finding what that person was doing for their past profession and trying to use that as an intervention. So you'll see on my LinkedIn, I've done like 15 different professions now from like truck driver to grocer to postal worker to a ton hairdresser, tons of them. So finding different activities that they may have done in their past to really get them, get the programming initiated. So I'm trying to think of examples on the fly right now, but if you check that out, you'll see a lot of different things. Like if you were a postal worker, if your resident was a postal worker, then giving them envelopes to stuff, giving them the mail to deliver, giving them like little things that they can recognize as something that they've done in their past that make them feel like they're having a meaningful activity throughout their day. And I hate using the word activity, but a meaningful intervention. That's kind of my, one of my favorites right now. That is so cool. I love that so much. Like I was like getting chills when you were talking about that, because I think this is a, this is a misconception that maybe we have if we're, if we don't have like the, the therapy lens on, right? That, oh, they're retired. They want to be entertained or they want to be like, you know, or, or memory care. Like what, like, what can we do to just, you know, 
I guess maybe decrease behaviors and not really like work with like what is what is bothering them but to be able to say like you are a whole person and these are things that matter to you and I'm going to find these things that matter and show how you can still do these things I think is just so powerful for uh for for any population really but for this population in particular that I feel like often that will get overlooked right or that will get in, in lieu of all of the things that we need to do to just make sure that you are healthy, physically healthy, and like, you know, eating, drinking, safe, all of these things, are we paying attention to that emotional, mental, how this must be feeling, and how we can help, even though, you know, there isn't, there isn't a pill to cure memory problems or things, but how can we use recreation to improve the the experiences of these people. And I just think that's so beautiful. I just love that so much. It, I, um, as a student, I managed an intergenerational preschool. And I think a lot of what we saw that was so good kind of harks back to what you're saying about like them being engaged in something that matters to them. Because when they're working with these little children, so many of them were school teachers or parents even, you know, like they, they spend a lot of their time like with young children before they were in memory care and even though like their their ability to engage was different it it was so uh amazing to see how how they could be so much more alert and engaged when they were with the children when they were doing things that they felt they were contributing and they felt like they were doing something and so I just I love that you're doing that. And and if you're just doing this in your free time, that is so wonderful <laughs> Like that you're just doing this to just say like, to just pass on to rec therapists and to pass on to other, you know, professionals in the field and say, these are things that, that I worked so hard. You must have spent so much time figuring out, okay, what can I do that, you know, goes back to this and just really speaks to the this type of rec therapist that you must be like the individual care that you must have put into each of your clients to say, let me like look at you as a whole person and find an intervention that will help you specifically. And I just, I just think that's beautiful, Karina. Thank you for sharing. Finding jobs that really mean something to that person, I think is something that I've used forever while I was working in memory care. And I just think about it all the time because my like memory care has a special place in my heart, I think. Um, so even though I'm not working, I still want to be able to provide assets to the people that are working in that field um, and hopefully help them have a better day <laughs> if they're not having a good day by giving them all of these different interventions yeah. that they can try. And so those purposeful programs for past professions, PPP, P, those are just little tidbits that they can try with like little to no money, um, just things that you have around your supply room, basically. Where could a rec therapist find these? Oh, they are on my LinkedIn right now. So I've posted them for the past couple of weeks, different ones. So if you are following me, go ahead and add a connection. I will for sure say yes. <laughs> so that you can see all of those. Look me up on there because that's the only space that I have them right now. That's awesome. Okay, well, should we kind of flip it? And do you have any questions for us? Well, you're kicking off a new season, aren't you? We are, Yeah. We just started publishing season three. So we don't have as many episodes in our season as you do. So even though it's a new season, we have seven episodes each season. And so this will be our third. We've just launched our third season. So we're in the same boat, launching our season three together. So what kind of things are will we be seeing in season three for you? Yeah, so we, so in the first two seasons, we did a lot of, research heavy podcast episodes where we research modalities and talked about them in depth. This episode, we really focused on interviewing other professionals and getting their take on all sorts of topics. Um, we talked to Nathan Lemaster of Smart CEU Hubs, kind of not about Smart CEUs. We, he did mention that, but we talked about entrepreneurship in rec therapy for rec therapists that are maybe interested about going off on their own, starting their own businesses, like what are kind of the things that you can expect as a 
entrepreneur starting out to be to own your own business. We also interviewed a grant writer who's not a rec therapist to talk more about some of the ways that you might be able to fund your program if whatever your program is maybe doesn't have the full funding. Like how can you find money and in-kind donations and other places that could support, you know, getting things like adaptive equipment or buying supplies. Because this is such a thing that people talk about all the time. Like I, in the work that I've done, I've heard all the time, well, maybe you could get a grant. And that felt so big and scary to me that I was like, oh, what is, <laughs> what is get a grant? And so it was really, it was really great to interview her and talk to her about like, how this process might work and who can get a grant. And it was really eye-opening. So we're excited to share that for rec therapists that are looking for funding sources, right? Because that is probably one of the biggest barriers that people have, maybe not just even for their programs, but also for their clients. If their clients need a specific adaptation, um, physical disabilities, right? Like that's going to be a huge, huge thing for the individuals and rec therapy programs. So definitely looking forward to sharing that with everybody. Oh, I'm going to listen to that one for sure. It's going to be really good. Um, we, we also interviewed a rec therapist that is working in corrections in a prison setting. And it was so fun to talk to her about what how she has to adapt in that setting and how she feels about it we did a lot of myth busting things that <laughs> like what is this really like what can you actually do so we're really excited to to share that oh cool it's so exciting to really be able to meet with other people and just like learn about their experiences I think that we're very fortunate to be able to do this and be able to reach the people that we're reaching. So kudos to you guys. Like, and, and being together doing that, that's a lot of fun. Me, I'm just lonely over here and engaged in rec world. <laughs> I come and join you anytime you want <laughs> because I loved listening to your podcast. It's so fun to listen to it. It's so fun to hear like all of the things you're doing. So yeah, I, I feel like you, you do very well <laughs> at all of that. That's cool. One more question for you, though, because I don't know if I know this answer, which, like, what population did you both work with? All right, you go first. Kira. So Jana and I, Jana and I both met so with the, working for the military population, which was actually kind of like a lot of populations in one. We worked for something called the Soldier Recovery Unit, which is a unit of the Army where soldiers, so they're not veterans yet, but they've been injured, they have mental illness, they have some sort of thing that's preventing them from doing their job. So they've been sent to this unit to recover. A lot of them are getting ready to transition from military life to veteran life, and that is a huge transition for people in the military to going from having like a really strong purpose to now, now what? What do we do now? Especially with those like new challenges, right? Because they weren't transitioning because they wanted to. Most of them are transitioning because their health dictated that they could no longer like be in the military. And so it's kind of like your whole world. Like they would talk all the time about how um, their part of their career is to be physically, mentally agile <laughs> And, and a big part of their identity is, is this. And so this transition was a huge, like financial, physical, emotional, like just everything, huge transition to getting back into civilian life and, or, or if they were trying to, you know, get back into the military, really a lot of, a lot of barriers to overcome to try and. Yeah. So for our part in that, soldier recovery unit we did all sorts of recreation therapy programming we did a lot of community integration a lot of sports adaptive sports just trying to help our people find something so for example if they're going to be getting out of the military helping them find an activity that's going to help them connect with other people help get them more physically fit just provide an outlet for them because like Jana said so much of their life is wrapped up in the military that when that goes away they need something to fall back on that's not going to be a detriment to them in their lives. There was other things happening in the unit as well, <laughs> like 
career planning and occupational therapy, physical therapy, but we've solely focused on the recreation therapy with the soldiers that we worked at. So it was a really cool spot to work. It was really cool. And and we would work with them on goals, like uh, a lot of PTSD, right? And so our groups, like having small and, and just kind of being aware of like those therapeutic needs, like making sure that they felt safe and they felt like you know, they weren't trapped anywhere and and just kind of those things, helping them kind of work through those. I remember, like, I think we've talked about this on the podcast in our table games episode, but like we'd play like Ticket to Ride with them and help them work through anger management (laughs) skills and things like that, because there's just a lot like, right, that is just like all encompassing. And, and so working on those therapeutic goals that uh, like the other the social workers and the occupational therapists are also aware of working on those therapeutic goals and also um, like Carol was saying, like really helping them like be able to find like purpose beyond military, I think was a really big thing. Like if they were like, there's people like they, they, they don't just run. They're a runner, right? Like I am a runner. Like that is their identity. And so helping them, recreate (laughs) recreate recreate their identity through recreation and be able to say like um be able to get comfortable with adaptive sports and being able to get comfortable like in their own skin in this new body that they feel is maybe a little a little foreign a little like un un unlike them like they're like kind of just getting comfortable with their new abilities and so it was a really I really loved it. It was really, it was really wonderful to work with. So we worked with so many community organizations. We worked with so many, like having a military, a military, I don't know, foundation was just having all of that support that they had and being able to work with all of those was really encouraging because I think in that situation, they were feeling so overwhelmed. And so to be able to have this whole team of people just like wrap around you and say, we're going to help you get through this was really cool to be a part of. I really love that. Yeah. At some point we'll do a podcast episode on that unit, like that specific role. Cause I feel like there's so much to talk about so much to unpack there, but yeah, it was a dream job. Jana and I both had to leave the position because of our husbands <laughs> and their jobs, unfortunately, but would have stayed there forever (laughs) if I could have we really should (laughs) so that was the only place I worked like as a professional when I was a student I did a bunch of different things like kind of getting interested in rec therapy and doing rec therapy I did community recreation I did I did the intergenerational program I worked with at a brain injury clinic working with people with minor TBIs and that was really cool. I, I got to work with the the head neuro, what is she called? A neuropsychologist and got to kind of, as a student, so like I was still learning, but I kind of presented my ideas to her and she, they do like this brain scan. So you can literally see like areas in the brain that are underperforming and overperforming. And I was able to work with her to say, okay, well, doing these activities should activate this area of the brain, which we need to activate and we need to like lower the activation. And this, uh, like this one is hyperactive, this one is hypoactive. So it was really, I, I feel like I gained more from that than maybe the clients did just being able to like work with this neuropsychologist and talk to her about the brain and understand like, okay, like this is going, this activity is going to help these clients because they, this area is hyperactive and we need to like get it, the blood flowing here more. Yeah, that was really, it was really, really cool and really niche. I feel like that was a really unique program. And then I, my start was in wilderness therapy. I started just like, what is, what is rec therapy before I even like knew anything about it? I, I worked as a guide at a wilderness program and that's kind of where I started to learn about the benefits of recreation and how therapeutic they can be and all of that, all that good stuff (laughs) was, was there. My very first interview that I did for Engaged in Rec was somebody that was in a forest therapist. And she's coming back this season because she has so many announcements. She's just a fabulous person. So she's coming back soon. 
I'm really excited to share her. I listened to that episode and I thought it was so interesting and so cool that she was like creating a forest therapy program that she was like mailing things out to people in different locations so that like you, the rec therapist or you, the activity therapist could like put on your own forest therapy program at your facility. Like I just thought that was super neat that A, she was willing to do it and oh, I'm excited. But wait, there's so much more. She's got so much more coming. I cannot wait to share with everybody. It's going to be a good time. Is that coming out in season three for you? Yeah. I feel like this episode that we have been chatting on today is just all about purpose. Like, I feel like everything that we've talked about has just come back to that. Yeah. A purpose for us, purpose for our clients. It's, yeah, I think so. And it's really, it's really incredible how recreation can provide that for people. Like how we can, can help them find their purpose, how we can help, like, you know, how I remember one of my professors telling us this when we were students, when I was just a student and he was talking about how a recreation really allows people to define themselves and and create themselves and I did not understand at the time (laughs) I I did not like I I I don't think I grew up like claiming recreation as part of my identity like I don't think I grew up doing that and it was definitely something that I kind of grew in to understand but it is really cool now seeing like how how rich life is when we can incorporate a a leisure lifestyle and recreation and how like it's not it's not just about you know is your heart beating well is your blood like is your brain working it's it's about like the human part of us I think is really in our passions and really in the things that we call purpose to and it's beautiful to see like the way you've done that with older adults that maybe feel like they're losing that sense of purpose and just the way we can do that for for all the populations that we're working with. And and really, I guess, saying we can do that for them is not really, it's not really true. I guess how we can help them do that for themselves, right? How we can help them, like, find and engage in their own, their own purpose, their own, like, what makes life beautiful for you kind of thing. I always say, like, let's give them the tools to be able to facilitate their own their own enrichment essentially so like I'm not if if I was to do my job like super incredibly well like people wouldn't even really know that I was around because I would just provide the tools in the background and give them what they need to be able to like really just take it run with it and fly kind of things like I say it all the time like in retirement communities like these people if you're if your resident used to be a, a boy scout I don't know we have boy scouts here in Canada if he used to be a boy scout and like that was something that he really loved like give him the tools to be able to become a boy scout in the community right like let's get him to be able to go outside and like get a fire going at night <laughs> you know because we're allowed to do that in spaces that I am or like I'm picturing that happening in memory care (laughs) no not memory like be choosy be choosy (laughs) risk management (laughs) yeah exactly of course always need to be around to like supervise different things but um be intentional (laughs) what you're putting out there Well, is there anything else we want to talk about? Otherwise, I think we tend to wrap up our interviews by asking the people we're interviewing if there's anything that they want to promote, anything they want to talk about that's new for them. I know you have season three of Engaged in Rec coming up, so everyone should go ahead and listen to that. And you may have season four at the point that the people listen to this. So if go and check out Engaged in Rec. It's an awesome podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about that you've got going on in your life? Yeah, just Engaged in Rec. Check it out. Season three coming out soon. Um, Follow me on LinkedIn because I've got tons of little gems that I post every day. Um, Something, one program comes out pretty well every day I put out there. 
So for a totally variety of different populations. Um, yeah, that's, that's me and get set up. Go check out Get Set Up too. Do is LinkedIn the best way to contact you if people have questions or if they do want to like, hey, like I'm, I feel like you'd really be able to help me with this, you know, client that I'm working with or is that the best way to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. Hop on LinkedIn, shoot me a message there. You can also shoot me a message to my email, to my Engaged in Rec email, which is engagedinrec at gmail.com. But those are my best ways. Facebook as well. I'm also Engaged in Rec is on there. I'm not I haven't been posting a lot though. I'm bad. So LinkedIn's mostly go that way. Thank you so much for having me. I just wish I could like jump on here all the time with you guys. It's been a blast. I've had a lot of fun. This has been so fun. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Karina. It's really been an honor. <laughs> it's been so fun talking to you and hearing your passion. Yeah, and you too. And and just learning about all of the different types of rec therapy that are out there. Sometimes you get a little bit like blinders on that what you're doing and the, the people that you're working with is the only recreation therapy out there. But to learn that, well, I guess to hear about your stories and the people that you've worked with in the past is just so cool. And, and it lets people know, like, you don't have to stick with the one population that you've been with since you were a student, you know, like you, there are so many options out there. Don't explore, find your purpose. Yes. <laughs> find your niche. Sounds like a great way to end the episode with find your purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much again for having me. All right. See you guys next time. <laughs> All right, everybody, as always, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Real Talk Recreation Therapy. If you're looking for some of the information that we talked about today, you can find it on our show notes at www.realtalkrecreationtherapy.com. And if you enjoyed this episode and some of the other episodes we put out, we would love to have you like, follow, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Thank you so much for your support, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode. Bye!